It's episode 73 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me as always on this episode of Keto for Women. Really excited to get back to the Keto Hot Seat episodes, which are those episodes that you ask me your questions. Nothing's off the table, although there is a little bit of a caveat to that, but we'll get there. And I get to answer everything that you need to know about keto, women's health, whatever you want. So we'll get to those in just a minute. First of all, a few very quick announcements. First things first, let me introduce you to a new Keto for Women sponsor, Natural Red Essentials. This company is awesome. I cannot wait to share this information with you ladies here on the Keto for Women show. It's a company that was started by actually one of my fat-burning femalers, which is amazing, but also just a mom and a single mom that needed to take care of her family and realized that there were a lot of chemical-laden products she was using on her own kids and herself that she just didn't feel comfortable with. So she began creating her own products in her house for her kids and realized that this really was something she wanted to share with more people. And her business, Natural Red Essentials, was created. This is a 100% natural ingredient skincare company. So they have all kinds of products like sugar scrubs and body balms and even things like hand sanitizer and bug repellent, things like that that we're using on a pretty regular basis that are very toxic and harmful to not only our kids, but ourselves as well. So really taking care of the whole family. These products are so awesome. I've tried them all. They are fantastic. You guys are going to love them. And the best thing is they make great gifts. And so now is a really good time to take advantage of the offer that she's providing for us as Keto for Women listeners and get some really good gifts for your friends or even just hostess gifts your family members just to get them more involved in this non-toxic lifestyle that I think a lot of you are adopting or have already adopted as part of being a totally healthy woman. Now we can kind of give that as a gift too. So if you head to naturalredessentials.com, do some shopping. They have really awesome gift packs and starter packs that are a great deal. And we get an additional 20% off of them as Keto for Women listeners. If you use the code KETO, the number four women on naturalredessentials.com. I have to tell you personal favorites here. Get the chai flavored sugar scrub and body butter It is like self-care to the max, first of all. You use that in the shower, your skin feels super soft, and then you're just hydrating it after you get out with the body balm. It's just the most amazing feeling, and it smells so good, you're going to want to eat it. It smells like Christmas cookie. (laughs) And so instead of eating Christmas cookies, we can just smell like it. It's fine. That's the next best thing. I would say that. And then the peppermint flavor too, really great for the holidays, for this time of year to feel really cozy and just kind of festive. Those are the best products. They're 
deodorant is amazing. The hand sanitizer is so cool, so clever, such a great idea. And finally getting rid of all those toxic chemicals that are in regular hand sanitizers. I think it's just great that she's providing such a product. So go ahead and Jump over to naturalredessentials.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number four women, for 20% off your order. And just stock up on a bunch of gifts for yourself and everyone. It's the perfect time of year. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it's sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. The only other thing that I want to mention here is just a little bit of a personal note. I know that I do talk about my personal life here on Keto for Women, but pretty much just keep it to like my health story, especially in the past few episodes. I've talked a lot about my life and my past five years of health issues. But other than that, I don't talk a whole lot about what goes on in my personal life. And that's because this isn't a personal podcast. This is a podcast about keto and women and women's health and all the things that we talk about here. But I I do just want to take just a second. I'm not going to get into any detail, but I did create a very personal post on my social media this past week. And I think if you've seen it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I just want to thank everybody from the bottom, deepest depths of my heart for the amount of support that I was shown with that post and sharing, you know, some really personal information about myself. I don't really honestly care on social media. I will share all the personal stuff I want, but, you know, keep it still in a professional manner. But here on the podcast, I just don't think there's time for it. Honestly, I think you guys want to hear about keto more than you want to hear about me, which is totally understandable and fine. So I do keep it just to that. But I got such an outpouring of love and support. And I just cannot thank you guys enough. It was just so unexpected and the coolest thing I have ever been a part of to see such an awesome community and just reminded me what a great support system we have here in the keto community for the most part. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. And especially here in the keto for women community that we're building, my fat burning femalers, just all of it has been I mean, I just, it was beyond anything I could have imagined. So that's all I want to say about that is just to give you the warmest thank you. You guys are so cool and so supportive and just the amount of love I received. I just will never even be able to say thanks enough. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go back and look into my Instagram or Facebook posts from the past week or so, and you will understand what I'm talking about. And hopefully I will continue to have your support as well. All right, let's get into some questions. Okay. These questions are way back from, I think I want to say the beginning of September, maybe mid-September. I'm going to get through a lot of them today. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like I can talk fast. I can be really succinct and we'll get through all these as quickly as possible. Just for those that are tuning in that haven't listened to a Keto Hot Seat episode, these are questions that I ask of you to provide 
on my social media channels. And they can be about pretty much anything. Like I said, the caveat is now that I've done so many of these episodes, if it's something that has already been answered, then I'm either just going to tell you it's already been answered or I'm not even going to read it just to save time and really get to some new information here on Keto for Women. But other than that, everything is fair game. I'm willing to answer everything that I can. I do, however, reserve the right to not know the answer and to tell you that I don't know the answer and perhaps give you a place where you could find it or just let you know that I will perhaps have that answer in the future. That's the only thing I will make sure to be totally honest and open with you if I don't know what to tell you. And a lot of this, honestly, is opinion-based too, and I'll let you know if that's the case as well. All right, let's get to these questions. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. If you have a question, just wait, you know, be on the lookout in my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed, and you can submit that. Hopefully within the next month or so, I'll be asking for new questions and I'll get to yours then. All right, question number one. I've dieted and struggled with being the big girl my entire life. The big girls in quotes. I've struggled with disordered eating and have been in recovery for a few years. I still get obsessive if I try and diet like Weight Watchers. I also am a big sugar person and am 6.5 months postpartum. I want to feel good in my body again. I really want to do keto, but not be obsessive about it. Any tips? Thank you. I love your podcast and listen on the way to work each morning. Yeah, this is a really great question. And this is really, honestly, what we focus on here on the Keto for Women show and in particular in the Fat Burning Female Project. So no, I don't want to just go point to my course that I run, but I really do think that you would be the perfect person to be in a class like the Fat Burning Female Project because first of all, we're getting into ketosis without any of the normal things that would become us obsessive about it without having to overly track, without having to count all the things, everything that is pretty typical in a ketogenic diet, we kind of try to mitigate as much as possible in the Fat Burning Female Project. And then from there, we are teaching all about not becoming obsessive and how to not let that even happen when you are switching to keto. So it really is a class basically designed exactly for this person because there are so many of people like you out there, especially in the keto community, because we've come from these paths of doing Weight Watchers and having disordered eating patterns and being on diets our whole life, potentially being the quote unquote big girl for most of our lives. You know, like I think a lot of women can really sympathize and see themselves in this question that are listening right now. So this is the basically core reason or the core person that would be great for the Fat Burning Female Project. And you will meet a lot of people within that group that have been in your place or are currently in your place. And you can support each other, which is the best part. But that being said, yes, I do have some tips (laughs) beyond that. The first one that I want to point out is the mentality around this. I mean, I hate to say it and I hope that this is wrong, but I think there's a really big chance that you're never going to get past that obsessiveness around food until you stop calling yourself the big girl or thinking of yourself as the big girl. We've talked about this, you know, within the past couple months or so more and more, just that emotional pattern and the mental pattern that's around our food choices. This is something that's been ingrained in you 
obviously since you were little, like you've said you were considered the big girl your entire life. And so you've kind of placed this label on yourself. And that's something that has this very negative connotation. It's really dug you into this hole of always having this mentality around your food choices, because every choice you make is like, is this a big girl move or is this not a big girl move? Am I going in favor of being the small girl or not in favor of being the small girl? Like it has so many emotions attached to that and all the labeling still there, right? So the biggest thing that you can do and the first step that you can take is to really work on why you have that label and what you can do to get rid of it. Because it's going to be really, really hard. It's going to be an uphill battle, essentially, to get rid of the obsessive mentality around food if you're still seeing yourself in that light. So that's why we talk so much here on the Keto for Women show about not even thinking in that regard of what size you are, what size you want to be, what size you've never been, the pants that you're wearing, what the scale says. We do everything we can to not think about that because then that puts us in a better place to actually change our thoughts around food. So then you have this spot to be more concerned about your health status, about the other things that you want to see change besides whether you're the big girl or not. And this is for you. It could be a place where, so you're six and a half months out from having a child. You want to nourish your baby in the healthiest way possible. I'm assuming you're breastfeeding. So you want to provide the maximum amount of nutrients you can for your baby. And you want to not be a sugar person, perhaps. So you've noticed that you're really tied to sugar and potentially need that for your energy source or even just to feel happy, maybe some sort of emotional attachment to sugar as well. So you can also work to use keto to potentially heal some blood sugar issues and perhaps get you less tied to sugar. And this is just what I'm you know, seeing from the small things that you gave me. I'm sure there are plenty of other things that you want to work on from a health perspective and from a lifestyle perspective and not just on that big girl idea. So those are really the biggest places I would start for you is just to kind of rearrange your thought processes a little bit. There's really nothing about keto that needs to be obsessive. There's a lot of people that are obsessed about it, which is crazy to me because it's the least obsessive I've ever been around food. And I just want to keep reiterating that it's possible to be keto and not be obsessed with it. And really, that's the best way to go. But you've got to start with some bare bones stuff first before you worry about like, oh, do I need to calculate macros or don't I need to calculate macros? Can I eat carbs or can't I eat carbs? Like these are all things that we talk about here on Keto for Women, but you've got some really initial first steps that don't even really have anything to do with food before you can even get there. So I hope that makes sense. Next up, can you recommend any good pre-workout drinks or powders and post-workout drinks or powders that are sweetened naturally and don't have a ton of artificial colors and dyes? No, not really. (laughs) Mainly because I don't think that there really truly is a need for a pre-workout drink or powder 
or a post-workout drinker powder. So I'm not exactly sure what you're trying to gain from those pre-workout drinks and post-workout drinks, but more than likely what you're trying to be gained would be better gotten through food and like real food and not a powder thing. But the powder that I do use every single day is collagen, collagen peptides. I kind of think of it as my protein powder. And coming from the fitness industry, I'm used to having like three whey protein shakes a day. I don't do that anymore obviously, but I do still take some collagen in my coffee every single morning. That is often somewhat around my workout. Sometimes it's before my workout. Sometimes it's after my workout. I think either way, it's equally as effective. And then occasionally I will have an electrolyte powder drink that does contain stevia. It's the Ultima drink. Does not have any artificial colors or dyes, which is nice. It's all naturally colored, (laughs) but does contain stevia. So I'm not sure if that's something that's in your realm or not. That is something I have maybe once a week at most. It would really just be something, honestly, where it just sounds like a nice little treat. Like if I'm kind of sick of drinking water, I'll have that to just mix things up, but it's not something I rely on. And it's definitely not something that I rely on to get as my only source of electrolytes. So if that's something that you're looking for, and that's why you're asking, I would rather you just take an electrolyte supplement that's perhaps a pill or even a dropper or something like that. I really love the Trace Minerals brand, which I have shown that on my supplement guide from episode 19. Shoot, I forgot. Way up there, I wrote a supplement guide and have that listed on there. So other than that, I don't think, and I'm not a fan for the most part of pre and post workout powders because it's almost impossible to find one that doesn't contain something that's a little questionable, like a totally clean pre post workout meal replacement or something like that it is really hard to find. And I, I think it's just easier to, to eat food. I do love the ample shakes as a meal replacement, but that doesn't necessarily need to be pre or post workout. It's more so a great thing to take on the go. You all know they've been Keto for Women sponsors before. I really do love those. I think a lot of people use those for kind of when they're in a pinch with ketogenic meal replacement. So you can check those out. But yeah, just don't worry about it and just eat a meal. If you're hungry before your workout, eat something. If you're hungry after your workout, eat something, have a meal. And that's what I do. I just have breakfast after I work out for usually, or dinner if it's a nighttime workout. All right, moving on. I'm curious about stevia or keto-friendly sweeteners. I try and have all my stevia or products containing stevia with my meals to keep insulin balanced and not spiking anytime it has something sweet. My question is... Does it matter how much we put in our coffee, for example? Is one packet of stevia in your morning coffee the same as three packets or is less better? What are your thoughts? Okay, my first thought is that stevia and other keto-friendly sweeteners, I like the idea of you putting them with your meals because it will kind of balance that out a little bit. So what we want to think about is that, yes, there is still, not in everybody, but in, I think, a decent amount of people, there still is a blood sugar slash insulin response to keto-friendly sweeteners. So whether that's erythritol, stevia, monk fruit, whatever you're using, you do still have a response, even if it's like a complete completely sugar-free sweetener. 
Not everybody, like I said, but I think most people, I think more people than probably realize. So to put it with a meal does help mitigate that a little bit. So I like that you're doing that, but it doesn't totally take that away, first of all. And what I've always said that's more important for me is just when you're using keto-friendly sweeteners, like using the little air quotes while I'm talking because I use my hands the entire time I'm podcasting, which you guys don't see, but I do. When you are always kind of in that space of using sweeteners and getting a sweet taste, then you're never really going to get rid of that desire for a sweet taste, which is what is so awesome about keto and and what really helps us kind of totally squash that desire for sweet things and treats and desserts and all that stuff and where it becomes like that 90% dark chocolate is like about the sweetest thing you can handle, which I know a lot of you are there and it's a pretty cool experience. So to be able to mitigate that I think is really nice. And that's something that's not really going to happen if you're still using keto-friendly sweeteners all the time. So that's my biggest thing. You know, those two things are, are the most concerning for me. So your actual question, does it matter how much you use? So yes, obviously, if you have three packets of stevia versus one, it's going to be three times as sweet, and it's going to be that much more sweet, which is going to kind of trigger, of course, a potentially stronger insulin and blood sugar response, but also that really sweet sense that you're getting. So those taste buds are going to light up, and they're going to stay in that lit up phase the entire time, like until you stop using that or until you really, really cut down. So yes, there is a big difference. Less is definitely better. I would get it to the least amount you can possibly do, preferably none, of course. You know, I really think getting to a point where you're having like a keto-friendly sweetener, maybe once a week as a special dessert or something like that would be awesome. I think that really helps with getting your sugar cravings under control. So yeah, just do the littlest bit you can. The only other thing that I want to say about this, which was not uh, part of the question, but I do want to mention this is there's a big difference in the quality between a packet of stevia that is a powder versus a liquid organic form of stevia because there is the possibility and a really good possibility. This has been shown in quite a few cases to where when they are in granulated form, they will add in other types of chemical sweeteners and they can do so without having to even put it on the label if it's a small enough amount. So they have a little bit of room to make it not as natural and good for us as it could be and should be. And that's why using the organic stevia leaf extract in liquid form will be better because it's not tampered with and there's nothing else added, whether it's listed on the labels or not. So really, really make sure that you're getting the best stuff and you're not getting stuff that has sucralose in it that they're not telling you about, which is a little deceiving, but does happen. So I'm always a fan of the liquid organic stevia leaf form. I use the Now Foods brand. It's great. You know, I don't use it that often because I don't like stevia at all, but if I'm using it, it's that. All right, let's move on. T3 was normal by blood before keto, but 
has been low since keto. I've been keto since April, always in ketosis per my finger stick machine. <laughs> T3 checked twice since April, still low. I don't fast, just follow the FBFP eating recommendations, thoughts. Yeah, so I think I've talked about this quite a few times on the Keto for Women show, so I won't spend a ton of time. You can go back to listen to all the ones about thyroid health. There are quite a few. But yes, initially when starting keto, even for the first, I'd say year or so, you will see a lower reading of your free T3, which is your active thyroid hormone. This is just kind of part of the process. It's something that your body does when switching into ketosis and does normally pop back up, especially, you know, it may just be like a minor downgrade, I would say for a short period of time. You know, you've been since April, so it hasn't been that long to where that may still be regulating itself, which is totally normal and fine especially if you're feeling really great. I personally do better with a lower T3 reading because as soon as my T3 gets higher, whether it's medicated or whatever, I start having insomnia and jittery and not like just feeling like overstimulated. So I personally do better with a lower T3 reading. So it all depends on you as a person. And if you feel great, then it's not something that you need to worry about. If you're feeling sluggish and tired and whatever, then yes, definitely continue to get that tested. And perhaps it is a case where maybe you need to eat more carbohydrates, or maybe you need more food, or maybe you need more protein. You know, that is one of those things that we can use as women who are trying to find our own version of keto. That's one of those kind of like symptoms or markers or whatever you want to call it that we can use to determine what works best for us. So that's a place where, you know, if you're not feeling great and you think that it might be your T3 that's to blame, then experiment and see if you can find that sweet spot where you do get into a place with your T3 levels that feel really good. And you're also in ketosis. I mean, there is definitely room for both, of course. But I do just also want to mention again, which I've done before, but I just want to make sure make it clear that especially if it's just like a slight dip in your T3 and even if it potentially stays there and you're feeling good and and no worries, the reason for that is, you know, our bodies are working pretty efficiently when we're in ketosis. And so perhaps it just doesn't need that level of energy anymore. And you can kind of think about your T3 as maybe like the gasoline, like in a car, right? So now that we're working a little bit more efficiently, perhaps you don't need to go through as much gasoline to keep your engine revving. You know, it's a little bit more of an efficient car, perhaps gets better mileage, we'll say. So think about it that way. And if you're feeling great, nothing to be too concerned about. But of course, just continue to monitor it and as always work with your doctor and have that conversation with them. Moving on, how do you know if you have inflammation? Is it only related to bloating, gas, and all the other TMI stuff? (laughs) So no, not at all. I would say, you know, of course, if you have inflammation specifically in your gut, which is the case for quite a few people, then yeah, you're going to notice it in your bowel movements or in your digestive process. You will notice things like that, but inflammation isn't only located in your gut. You can have systemic inflammation. You can have inflammation in other like specific body parts. Of course, there's a lot of different places. So I think some of the best ways to determine if you're inflamed or not, of course, without seeing a doctor and doing blood tests and all that stuff that really you should do if you're at all questioning it. But some of the best indicators for me would be like, if you feel puffy or water retained, you know, specifically in maybe certain parts of your joints or 
just kind of overall and maybe in your gut. But if you feel puffy, that's a really good sign of inflammation. So when I was sick, and, and like I mentioned, I gained quite a bit of weight, it wasn't fat. And I think I said that even here. It wasn't fat. It was inflammatory weight. It felt different. It looked different. I looked like I ballooned up. I just looked like a balloon. I didn't look like I had changed body fat composition really in any way. I just looked inflamed and puffy. So that was inflammatory weight. And as soon as I was able to control my inflammation, it went away. So that is the biggest thing. I think also headaches are a really big sign of inflammation. Joint pain is a really big sign of inflammation. Even like brain fog and word recollection issues, huge signs of inflammation. And that's more of like an actual inflammation in the brain, which is a spot that can be quite inflamed. Of course, skin breakouts, anything having to do with a change in your skin, really. Even if you notice it being more red or getting more acne, having a rash, anything like that is inflammation. And that's a a really big sign. Even things like hair loss can be a sign of inflammation. So there's so many things. It's, It's kind of one of those things where we have all these markers that we're now watching as Keto for Womeners, trying to get healthy and all of the symptoms that are signs that something's not right could be inflammation. So the thing with that, though, is that for the most part, inflammation is almost just one more signal. So if you are noticing that you are more inflamed, and especially as we've gone through this list, you notice you're more inflamed, now you have to find the reason as to why you're inflamed. You're not just inflamed just because, and like that's the thing you need to work on. It's one more thing. It's another symptom of something in your body that's causing your system to inflame. That's that's a, a natural system in our body to inflame as a protection mechanism. So there's some reason that your body feels the need to be protected and to protect itself. And so now you have to find that. So it's like we continue to peel back the layers until we find out what's really going on. Before we move on with this episode, just a quick reminder to go ahead and check out our Keto for Women sponsor, Fat Fuel Company, over at fatfuelcompany.com. They are making pre-packaged little pouches of our fatty drinks that we know and love, like our fatty coffees, our fatty cocos with the MCT oil powder and the coconut oil powder and grass-fed butter powder, all with organic coffee or organic cocoa. That's it. The ingredients are really simple. And all you have is just a pouch that you put in some hot water, you whip it up, and it is the best tasting little hot drinks that you can have. They are great to take with you to work or on a trip, just whenever you know you're going to be needing that extra fat in your keto diet and you want to make it really easy. You don't want to have to worry about taking all the ingredients and all the coffees and all that stuff. All you need now with the help of Fat Fuel Company is a spoon and some hot water. It's so easy. I want to make sure you give it a try. You can head to fatfuelcompany.com. Use the coupon code KETO, the number for women, for 20% off your order. That will be at the Amazon checkout. Once you have gotten all of the stuff you want to try from Fat Fuel Company in your cart, make sure you add that coupon code to your Amazon order for 20% off. You guys are going to love it. They are great snacks. They're great breakfasts. 
You just want to have them around just for all those inconvenient times where you need more fats or you just want something warm. That's fatfuelcompany.com. Okay. I've been keto for a year and in ketosis for three months, pretty consistently after fat burning female self start. If I fall out it is only for a little while. And this happens while checking my carb tolerance. I found I cannot tolerate high carb veggies like sweet potatoes. My question, sometimes my glucose levels are 59 to 75 while my ketones read between 0.9 and 2.0. Should I be worried about the glucose being so low? Sometimes I feel a little edgy and sometimes I feel great at that low of a glucose reading. Is there anything I should be worried about? I want to stabilize my blood sugar and heal my body. Thanks and love your show. Yeah, I mean, I personally am in the camp that your blood sugar shouldn't be that low. So we know that we want it to be in a sweet spot. So there's a blood sugar sweet spot. I think it has a little bit more flexibility, I would say, as someone that's in ketosis, but we don't want it to be super low. I think you can have just as much of a blood sugar issue and it can have just as much of an impact on your health when you have low blood sugar as when you have high blood sugar. I mean, hypoglycemia is a thing. So there's a lot more information that we would need to get here about those readings. Like, is it happening in the morning? Is it happening after a meal? Is it a specific meal that you're noticing that to be the case? You know, there's a lot more for you to do here before you get super concerned. But I think it is definitely enough to where you want to monitor it for sure. And you may want to change some things with your version of keto in order to balance that out a little bit. So that may mean that it says you don't tolerate sweet potatoes, but perhaps you do tolerate another source of carbohydrate and you can space that out at intervals throughout the day. So maybe you're having a bite or two of sweet potato at every meal, and that could help stabilize that blood sugar and keep it up a little bit. So I would say we want kind of a goal to be you know, like I said, it's a little bit more flexible with keto, I think, but I would not want it to be out of the 70s. I wouldn't want it to be any lower than the 70s before I feel concerned. So try to keep it up there and do what you can to get it up there. I'm wondering if this is just kind of a reactive hypoglycemic place where maybe this is happening after a meal, which you'd kind of notice in the hour or so after a meal, you would you would feel the edginess and, and even perhaps fatigue or dizziness or something like that, headache even when that happens. And that would be a sign that it's a hypoglycemic episode. So I think it's definitely something to monitor and learn more about what's going on and when this is happening, but definitely don't let it progress and do what you need to do to keep yourself in that 70 range or higher. So I prefer to see blood sugar between 80 and 95 as much of the day as humanly possible. And I know not everyone's there and we have some swings lower and higher, of course, depending on what we're eating and and our past blood sugar history and, and what we're working on. But this low level is concerning for sure. So keep an eye on that. Maybe something even to talk with your doctor about, especially if they're an open-minded practitioner and can give you some tips. Again, I would help you, but definitely I need so much more information. And until then, you continue to find out more information about yourself. What are your thoughts on using DIM for estrogen dominance? Should you only use it certain days of the month? Ooh, good question. 
So for those that don't know, I've talked about estrogen dominance here on Keto for Women, but just as a review, estrogen dominance is imbalance in females when they get, well, I guess it can happen in men too, but super, super rare when they are either producing an excess level of estrogen or a low level of progesterone or both that causes that relationship between estrogen and progesterone to be out of balance where estrogen would be dominant. Hence the name. Pretty easy, right? The thing is, I think more women than know it are estrogen dominant. It's something that I see in probably about 90 to 95% of the women doing the Happy Hormones Project with me. It's very, very common, something that can happen very easily. It can happen due to kind of a stress response where progesterone is lowered quite a bit and we fall out of balance with estrogen, but it can also happen with just kind of poor detox mechanisms or poor liver health, sluggish liver, that kind of thing, where you then have an excess of estrogen because you're just not detoxing it, which both are common. It could be both at the same time. There's a lot of different reasons. But anyway, there are ways, yes, to fix that balance. The thing is, it depends on what's wrong. So if you take DIM, which DIM is a compound that's actually found in like cruciferous vegetables, but you can also take it as a supplement in a very high dose, obviously, you know, like the same as eating pounds and pounds of broccoli, you can also get into, get in a little supplement form. But it's known for helping clear excess estrogen or really excess hormones overall. So if you are having a sluggish liver or something where you're not detoxing appropriately, then DIM will help and it will regain that balance for you when you've lowered your estrogen levels. However, if that's not your problem and that's not why you have estrogen dominance, you might be estrogen dominant just because your progesterone is so low, which is way more common than having an excess of estrogen. So if that's the case, then you taking DIM isn't going to do anything. It's not going to help. It could even potentially harm a little bit, but it's just going to be pointless more than likely. So this is why recommending supplements when they are specific to hormonal health is not something that I do because I need to know what is going on with your particular case in order to recommend the right supplements. So yeah, DIM is awesome if you need it. If you don't need it, it's not awesome. So that's your answer, essentially, which totally depends on what you are going through. Alrighty, next one. Why is the ketosis magic number 0.5 and above? How was this decided? I'm only at 0.3 or 0.4 whenever I test. I'm an FBF alum and I'll follow your block system. I added intermittent fasting at 16 eight hours, keep my carbs at 20, and doing all the other tips and tricks you talk about. But I still cannot get my ketones to 0.5, let alone any higher than that. I'm getting frustrated. I've only lost six pounds in eight months. I feel better, but I feel like I should be feeling even better and losing more than six pounds help. Ooh, there's so much here in one question. All right. So yes, the quote unquote magic number for ketosis is 0.5 to 3.0. That's just what I think, you know, over time, the people, the scientists and the doctors that have studied ketosis have 
been able to see as this nutritional ketosis range where people begin getting the benefits and have enough of a ketone production to allow for those benefits, that will be the reading that shows on your ketone blood meter. That's something that was decided based on, I think, a lot of research and testing and studies. So that being said, I am someone that I don't think when you're at 0.3 or 0.4, that that's terrible, especially if you are feeling all the benefits of ketosis, you're feeling really good, you're not worried about it, like everything is going really well, then cool. Stick with your 0.3 and 0.4 and just like kind of do life, right? Now, where it comes in is that she's not feeling all the benefits, like she is feeling better, but not feeling everything that she's feeling. And so this is where we, yes, we do want to start kind of trying to investigate why it's not possible for her body to get into a higher state of ketosis. I would say, you know, go back and listen to, am I ketoing too hard? Because I think that this might be a classic example. Doing everything right, started intermittent fasting, following the block system, although keeping carbs at 20, which is actually not what we do in the block system, but every other tip and trick I talk about, and she's getting frustrated. So it's like there's something else going on, right? And it could be as simple as just trying too hard, just being like too obsessed with getting that 0.5, which I know sounds ridiculous, but trust me, our bodies are super smart and we'll do some weird stuff to let us know to like chill out. And that could be one of them where you're just like over obsessed with this 0.5 and it's causing you to not get there. So I would say maybe just take a step back and relax a little bit and, you know, don't stop necessarily following the blocks or being keto, but just kind of don't test for a little bit or just kind of start thinking about other things that are feeling really good or what else you want to see happen besides losing more than six pounds and just take it back a notch. I'd be super interested to see. I can almost guarantee that that's what you need. Now, that all being said, of course, I don't maybe even talked about a whole episode about this that there are many other reasons as to why you're not getting into ketosis besides just the food. Like if you have any sort of blood sugar issues from the past, that could be a reason to not get into ketosis. If you have a high or a low stress response, cortisol issues will keep you out of ketosis. Not eating enough fat will keep you out of ketosis, of course. Not sleeping well, not drinking enough water and staying hydrated, having irregular bowel movements even. like There are so many reasons that you may not be getting into ketosis. So instead of getting frustrated and continuing to check your ketones and check your ketones and check your ketones, take a step back, get your breath, then start kind of just noticing some other things about yourself. Like, do you have a stressful life? Do you feel stressed? Are you sleeping well? Are you drinking enough water? Are your bowel movements regular? Like just start noticing other things. And you could potentially answer this question yourself. You're going to know a lot more about why you're not getting into ketosis than any of us do here because we don't know you. So I just really, really want you to take a step back and take a huge deep breath or maybe a lot of them and then see what happens. And don't worry about your weight loss. That, again, I could say this, I'm a broken record with this. Your weight loss will come when everything else is balanced out. And I can tell you, because you are having a hard time getting into ketosis, 
something's out of balance. I don't know what it is, but there's something else. And you'll find that out as soon as you're ready to take a step back from that, you know, six pounds frustration thing and start looking a little deeper. Next up, in ketosis for over three years and still have high testosterone levels. Any thoughts? My background A1C of 5 to 5.4%. On average, I have type 1 diabetes and I get my periods regularly. My testosterone levels are still double what they should be. Any insight would be much appreciated. Yeah, I would like to also check your DHEA levels. So maybe that's something you can test with your practitioner next time. I would also like to make sure that your testosterone is being tested via saliva or urine test and not blood test. That's going to give you a much accurate reading. And, you know, there's a chance that this testosterone that you are seeing might actually not be a huge issue. So get a little bit more of an accurate measure before you start freaking out about it. Not that you are, but you know, understandably so. But just get more of the picture. So testing DHEA along with testosterone via saliva or urine samples, that's really how I determine if PCOS is a possible issue. So those two things. And if that is, and that's just something to know about yourself, I mean, you're still doing some great work by being in ketosis and and working on your blood sugar readings, but it's something really good to know about yourself. So get that information. We need that for sure. The other thing would be, the possibility that you are not great at detoxing your hormones, like kind of recycling and detoxing your hormones, which is done via the liver, that might be a case where you need to work on your liver health and do some detoxification and some support of the liver and that process for a while. And then you will start noticing a change in your hormone levels There's a lot of people that are in this boat that don't realize it, but that's really, really important to hormonal health and hormonal balance is what your liver is doing and how much it is helping you get on with that. So you can take a peek at that with functional medicine practitioner on the state of your liver, or you can just go ahead and and get started on just natural detoxification mechanisms, which I've talked about in a Keto for Women episode. Not sure which one but you can go ahead and find that all about your liver health. I even talked about it last week, I think. So I do talk about it here on the podcast and that would be something I would look into for you as well. But definitely get a little bit more of a accurate measure, of course, too. Hi, Sean. Please, oh, please cover my question. I've been on keto and following all of the advice for about months. Oh, there is no number. For about months, something. (laughs) The only weight I lost was in the first week and it was five pounds, nothing since. What should someone do who has tried all the things and hasn't lost any weight in five months? I'm feeling a bit hopeless. Go back and listen to my two episodes that are all about the other reasons you are gaining or not losing weight while in ketosis. That will be an eye-opener for you and a lot of other things that you can look at to understand why. So like I've said a bajillion times, weight loss or the inability to lose weight, I guess, and weight loss resistance, those are symptoms of something deeper going on and something that your body has as an imbalance. So there's lots of other things that you can take a peek at besides just doing keto and following all the advice. How to know the difference between extra fat that is hanging around due to healing that still needs to occur versus where your body naturally healthfully wants to be. Certain signs to look for that healing hormonal balancing still 
needs to happen. I'm approaching this from a healing rather than a weight loss perspective, as you always promote. So it has me concerned that the extra fat is indicative of an issue and I need to keep hunting for the imbalance, most likely digestion in my particular case. Okay, this is great. I love this question. So you kind of answered it in your own way. And I think most of us, if we have this question of, is this extra fat that I have, is this just healthy fat that my body needs and is where it sits best versus do I still have some healing to do? Like you kind of all already know that answer because I can tell you, yeah, I have more body fat than, you know, maybe I thought that my body would be happy at because I have had lower body fat in the past, although I was very sick when I did, which we all know now because I shared my story. But with this extra fat that I now have, it feels very comfortable and natural and healthy because everything else is really balanced and going really well for me. Like my energy is really great. My workouts are really great. My digestion's on point. My hormones are good. My periods are normal. Everything that I have had in the past not go well is now going well. So I know instinctually that this is just where my body wants to be. And I am totally cool with that. And it feels really comfortable. And yeah, I'm in a pant size more than I thought I would be, but I really don't care because it feels good. And so you answer your own question when you feel like that's not the case for you. You say most likely digestion in my particular case. Well, right there, you know something's going on with your digestion. Maybe you're not regular or you do have some bloating and gas issues, something like that, where you know there's something else going on. So that's your answer that's when you know there's still some things to work on. And we all have that. We have that instinctual sense. It's just a matter of finding it and you already have. So yeah, I think that's the biggest indicator, the biggest way to know if our body fat percentage that we have is because of healing that needs to be done or because it's our body's happy place. You will know the difference. If you're already there and you felt it, you will, you know, agree with me, I think, that you just can sense it. And you have to be at a place where you're okay with it. And you're not going to try to manipulate it again and again and again beyond what it wants to be. But once you're there and you have that mentality of just wanting to be happy and balanced and healthy, then you'll feel it. You'll feel it when it's there and you'll be like, cool, well, you know, I guess I'm not going to be wearing this smaller pant size anymore. I can just get rid of these because I know this is where my body wants to be. So just look for that in yourself, everybody. I've noticed a dip in my ketone levels during the three days before my period starts. Is this common? Yes, it's super common. You can go back and listen to, I believe it was episode seven. We talked about all things hormones and keto, but yeah, it is something that happens to all of us around our menstrual cycles and is something to be expected and not a big deal whatsoever. Feeling great, but dealing with hair loss for about a month now. I've heard that hair loss is often triggered by events two to three months prior. Does that mean improvements will take that long to be seen as well? It's hard to know if anything I'm doing is having a positive impact. Any advice? I so feel you because I've so been here a number of times. And yes, it is true that when you experience hair loss, it is most likely something that has happened two to three months prior. That's just how the life cycle of our hair follicles work. So they will start shedding two to three months after there was whatever event caused this stop in their cycle. And so it is really hard to know because, yeah, I mean, you pretty much, 
it will take two to three months from whatever the cause was. Once you've kind of reversed out of that and have something different going on and are now in a better spot, you still have to wait two to three months before you notice that difference in your hair. So not only is that like the longest two to three months ever, but it also is a place where, yeah, you don't know if what you're doing is working or not. So what I would say, what I've always done is when this happens, I just stop everything that could possibly be a thing. And I start taking supplements or just doing everything I can to promote healthy hair. So really just take out all the variables. Take out any chance that there would be an issue with your hair and then wait two to three months. I know it's so hard, but I think that's how you really truly learn to not do that (laughs) ever again. Because once you notice that those things are working, which they will, but then you just want to keep all of those still in your space still in your life. So then you actually really, it helps to build this really nice, healthy, balanced life where you are taking the supplements that you need to take. You're making sure that you're properly fueled. You're making sure your stress levels in check. You're doing all this stuff because you had to kind of put all of it into your hair loss situation at once. And then you just keep it there. So it's really nice. It's kind of this default way to start doing all the right things at once. So I wish I had a better answer for you, but yeah, you kind of just have to do it all. And then it will change, of course. Give it a few months. Just do your best. I know it's really hard, but then you will see a huge difference and you'll just want to keep it all in all the time because you want to stay in that spot. All right. I think we have time for a few more. I have lost all the fat I wanted to lose. Is there a way I can now be keto and gain muscle mass? I work out at least four times a week, but don't know how much or what I need to add to my diet to gain muscle rather than lose weight. Please help. Ooh, I love this question so much. And I will just say that if you aren't in a place where you've lost all the fat that you wanted, which is the case for this particular question, but if you're not there Still listen to this because I will tell you with 100% certainty that if you build muscle, you will lose the fat you want to lose. It's just how our bodies work. So listen to this and take my advice, even if you still have fat to lose. Yes, working out four times a week is awesome. I hope you are doing the correct workouts to gain strength and muscle mass. So that's the first thing you can't gain. Well, I'm not going to say you can't, but it's going to take a lot, lot, lot longer. And you probably are going to get frustrated before any major change happens if you are trying to gain muscle by walking or doing the elliptical or something of that nature. So You have to actually do some weight-bearing exercises and lift something that causes a stress on your current muscle fibers to gain additional muscle fibers. And that's what we really want to do. So there is kind of that thing. I'm not going to go into this now. I know I talk about this like every episode, but I can't help it. But I won't get into it now. I promise. What I will say is we're just going to assume that four times a week you are doing that. And now you need to know what type of diet changes need to be made in addition to these four times a week of working to build new muscle fiber. And I would say the very first tip that I have is more than likely you're going to need to increase your protein. Protein is used to restore and repair 
your muscle fibers. That's what amino acids, that's a major role of our amino acids in our body and protein gets broken down into amino acids in our digestive tract and then goes to repair and rebuild. So that's the first thing more than likely, you know, that's a really hard thing that I see. And I know I talked about this, especially in the carnivore episodes, is there are so many women who do lower their protein to the point where they can get into ketosis, which is great, but then they never increase it after that, which a lot of us, when we are in ketosis, we do have the ability to increase our protein quite a bit and stay in ketosis, you know, once that initial switch has happened. So you hopefully are in that spot where you can too. So I would definitely recommend increasing your protein levels and see how you do and see, you know, what your sweet spot is with that, like staying in ketosis and and feeling good. And then you may perhaps want to at least sometimes increase your carbohydrate intake too. Now this could be prior to your workout, after your workout, it kind of depends on you and what your workouts are and how you feel. But if you do notice that when you do increase your carbohydrates before or after your workout, something like that, and your workouts feel better and you are able to gain strength quicker and you have a little bit more energy, then that would be a sign that that's something that works for you. And that's something that works for me that I've noticed since I've started lifting a little bit heavier recently that I do feel like my workouts are more effective when I have a little bit of carbohydrate to kind of get some of that quick burning fuel available prior to my kind of fat burning zone where I start producing and burning my ketones. So there's definitely a place I think for everybody to be, again, different for everybody, but there is the ability to increase your protein, increase your carbohydrates, stay in ketosis and have these amazing workouts that are building more muscle. So you are now gaining the muscle mass that you're looking for. And it just as a little bit of a tweak process, just tweaking it to see what works best for you, what makes you feel really good, and where you do start noticing that your body fat composition is changing. So you are increasing the muscle on your body and decreasing perhaps the fat even more. Okay, let me do one more really quick and then we'll call it a day. Can keto work for endurance athletes? I'm a long distance runner. In the endurance world, it's a lot about carbs. However, I've noticed I do feel better on a low carb, high fat diet in general, better digestion, less bloating, stable energy levels throughout the day. If I train for endurance events like a marathon on a low carb diet, can this be detrimental to my health and performance? Would you recommend carb cycling, upping carbs during heavy training days, periods? Thank you. I am actually going to not answer this question in its entirety because I have a guest coming up in the next month that will be answering this question and talking about endurance athletes and how they do on a low-carb, high-fat diet. And the answer is, yeah, you can absolutely do it. And really, it is a great place to be for an endurance athlete. There are a little bit of nuances, I think, to when to add more carbs, what to look out for. But for the most part, you're not really going to have to do all that much tweaking when you are doing these trainings for marathons and things like that. So you're obviously feeling really good in every other regard. I would go ahead and see how you do sticking with a low-carb, high-fat diet, getting into ketosis, fueling yourself with high-fat foods for your workouts versus high-carb foods. Just see how it goes. I think you're going to see a really good outcome for that. But stay tuned. Give me a few more episodes and we'll have a special guest on to talk more about that. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. 
All right. I think we did enough for today. I will be doubling up on these over the next few weeks or so, just kind of throughout the end of the year to get through as many of these as I can so we can ask some new questions in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. But I hope you enjoy these episodes and we will be doing more of these for the next few months so that all your questions get answered. All right. Until then, I will see you all next week. I hope you have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.